Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you had a normal walk in Kiev before, it was just like a normal walk. Now I would probably be so excited and so happy to just walk there. Just walk there without any bombing. Welcome to Chopper's Politics. I'm Christopher Hope, the Telegraph's Associate Editor for Politics. Chopper to my friends. Well, across the country, British families are lining up to welcome in Ukrainians fleeing the carnage in their country, caused by Vladimir Putin's invasion just a month ago. And already, Ukrainians are arriving. With us today on a special edition of Chopper's Politics is Victoria Prentice, an Environment Minister and a mum who's taken in Vika, a 25-year-old office worker from Ukraine who only got here on Monday. In fact, for this podcast, it's a first visit ever to a British pub. Vicky Prentice, welcome to Chopper's Politics. It's great to be here. We're in the pub as normal. Good to have you here. You brought a friend. I've brought Vika. Vika, hello Vika. Hello everyone. And where have you come from? Come far? <laughs> I came from Ukraine. Ukraine, right. Yes. Uh, it was a long journey, but I'm here. Safe. Well, it's great to have you here and you're safe. And it's great to welcome you to this country. Do you feel welcomed? Uh, I feel much welcome. It is Good. so much appreciated. And I love yeah. people and they're amazing. Well, so many readers of the Telegraph listen to the podcast. They, they're reaching out trying to help anybody from Ukraine at the moment. I've got to ask how you met, how you came across Victoria Prentice, who's obviously a minister in the government, uh, but also a mum. Um, yeah, how did you, how do you meet her? She's a great mum. <laughs> and, uh, and I met her daughter in Kiev. Her uh, daughter in Kiev? Yes. Okay. We were friends and we had a great time in Kiev for three months. Yeah, three months. Uh, September, October, November, we had great time together and uh, we've been in touch for this winter and then when it's all happened, uh, they were telling me all the time, like, come, we'll help you, we'll help you. And it was a really tough decision for me to leave the country and I was um, actually wondering and thinking about it for a week so i spent my first week of war in ukraine but i was lucky enough to be in central or western parts of ukraine where i couldn't hear 
as many Syrians as other people do in other cities. So uh, actually, I'm, I can say I'm lucky enough to be here, but I still have parents who are in southern Ukraine in occupation. So it feels really painful for me uh, to be here alone, but I um, really appreciate the help of this family and oh. these people. So, so you, you're, in, you're in Kiev and then your family are in southern Ukraine? So actually, uh, my native town in southern, is in southern Ukraine, mm-hmm. but uh, I've been living in Kiev almost for nine years already. So I've studied there. Um, I had my life there, my flat, everything, work, like friends, everything. And then just one morning, everything changed. And you worked for a law firm. So you had a job that many listeners, readers of The Telegraph have. And then almost overnight, suddenly Putin... Yeah. Invaded. Yeah. He invaded and he just ruined so many destinies and so many lives. Rudely, violently. Mm. Really, really. Not, I, I won't say suddenly, because it was planned for years, but actually it was so painfully. And I, I don't want people to uh, feel it, but when your mom calls you at 5 a.m. in the morning saying the war started. Yeah. It just amazing. Yeah, I can't even say. I know. That's fine. <laughs> I've told you I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> the tears are okay. Yeah. You had to literally. What day did you decide to leave Kiev? What, what was that day? What day was that? What was that like? Uh, what was that like? So, actually, it was. I've decided to leave um, Kiev the first day after. Um, after I went out and I wanted to get my cash, there were two huge explosions somewhere nearby. And I was just like, no, I'm not staying in Kiev, I'm leaving. And that evening I left with my friend. It was quite tricky to get a train, but we've managed. And uh, we left to Lviv. It's the western part of Ukraine. Lviv, yes, we know. Yes, it. yes, yes. Uh, her parents picked us there, and <clears throat> we've spent a couple of days in, near the Polish border. But then uh, I was just like deciding what to do, and I didn't want to leave, so I came back to Khmelnytsky region, uh, where my dad came from, and this was four days there probably three or four days. Don't remember exactly. I was also thinking what to do what's going what's going on and I couldn't understand what's happening and actually I hoped that it finished that time like I mean during one week but nothing actually finished so I decided to get on a train again and I went to Uzhgorod that is also in the western part and I crossed the border it was quite tricky as well to cross the border into Poland uh, no, it was Slovakia. Slovakia. Mm-hmm. And I crossed it with one girl. She She's from Kharkiv. And she was with a two-year-old boy. And she made this huge journey from Kharkiv on the evacuation train with, I don't know, with thousand people in it. I mean, they're literally sitting on the floor. Mm. I mean, with pets, suitcases, children, everybody sitting on the floor literally there is no space and you're you're actually going on train w- without no light 
and just with the closed windows. There's no light because you don't no want to be, draw attention to the train. Yeah, that is it. So From he, Russian, uh, Russian troops and Russian planes. That is it. Lights are out. Lights are out. Definitely in darkness. Being quiet. Darkness, quiet. 24 How hours. How terrifying. It is terrifying. It is just horrible. So she made it. She was actually really scared to make this journey with her child, two-year-old child, because you actually you you are going through Kiev and Lviv. It's quite dangerous to be fair with to do it with children. So she did a she did great mm. job with that. She made it, but she said, like, ah. Uh, I have nothing now. No flat, because it was bombed. It was uh, so painful to hear that. And that heart cave is just completely ruined. It is really painful to hear. And now she she's going to try and build her new life in, in somewhere. Mm. Actually, I can hear different stories from different people, from my mates and friends. And most of them say just... I'm homeless now. Yeah. I have nothing. And with you, with your situation, you just lock the door of the flat. Yeah. Your flat is still there. There's, yeah. you, it's all the stuff in it, all your gears everything, in there. Everything. So you're left with just a, a suitcase. Uh, just a suitcase, yeah. I've just brought no shoes, nothing. I, I mean, like... But other some other ones you're couple, wearing. A couple yeah. of long sleeves and jeans and nothing like that. Documents, me, laptop. And that is it. You have friends still in, in Kiev, do you? I mean, your family in the south, but you have friends there. Are they all left so too? My or? friends, part of them, uh, they've left because they're working for, most of them are working for international companies. And international companies make great job because they relocate them, some mm. of them. So mm. it is really nice. Part of my friends is still in Ukraine, but mostly in western Ukraine. So it is fine for them for now and men can't leave can they men have to stay and fight no men can't leave they they normally stay but not everyone goes to fight because some of them they can go um we call it Taraborona. I don't know yeah, how to so say it in English. Helping so, the public service, uh, I imagine, uh, or national yeah, service like, or something. It's like not the army, yes. but those are people who are Civil like volunteers, volunteers yes. and they are um, they're like groups in every city, in every village, um, everywhere. And they uh, usually like kind of trying to fight if there is uh, something, but it's not the army. It's more than just regular people. In Kiev, um, probably two or three three weeks ago, I've seen news that a big van uh, came was full of weapon, and people just take Ukrainians just take it and without any documents, without anything, but they just take it. Take your weapon. Take your weapon to to defend their country, to defend their families. And it's unbelievable! It's happening in the twenty first century. Unbelievable thing. So I, a van pulled up, and then everyone. Like a van, just like we, in this country we have a cardo vans, don't we, and delivering food to homes. But a van turned up delivering weapons. Weapons. It's just absolutely unbelievable. It is. It is so painful. And actually, what about southern Ukraine, and especially about the city where my parents are now? So um, it is very difficult situation because they are in occupation. So. 
it means that they are not that bombed, but they are pressed. So people in Kherson, they showed themselves like a real Ukrainians, a great nation, and I'm so proud of them, and I'm so proud of my country right now. Because they are going protesting, they are um, going to demonstration, but Russian soldiers just hanging out of the city and they shut them, just shut them. And yesterday I've seen the news as well. So every time you want to leave the city or some humanitarian help want to come to the city, they just shut the cars, everything. So children, older people, doesn't matter. Mm. Women, men. Do you think the the news reports you're seeing on in the UK news is that giving the an accurate picture of how it is in Ukraine? I think so. I think so because in Ukraine we do have a lot of people who show good information to the world, like recording something or writing something, social media, everything. But you do have a lot of journalists who come to Ukraine, like show the real picture. That is, we have a team of telegraph reporters up there, and all the big media groups so, have, and it's a journalism which is keeping attention and focus on Ukraine. I think, I'm um, sure, yeah, of course, is, and it's important. It is important to show people the real information and the real picture. What's going so, on. so you went to the border in a blacked out train, and then you you thought, "I'll ring, I'll ring Tilly, my friend." Uh, actually, it was much more complicated. So, um, the first thing, my dad's friend picked me up from right. the border and we went to Prague. So, near Prague, I spent two weeks there as well. And um, while I've been in Prague, we tried to sort things with visa and to, to come to the UK. And yeah, then actually, yeah, she supported me mm. all the way through. <laughs> so, yeah. They actually kind of forced me to do that because yeah. I didn't want to at the beginning. But I mean, like, I didn't want to go that far because I wasn't sure. Actually, I'm not sure for now what's going on with my country and I don't know what's happening. But uh, I mean, it's uh, it was a really difficult decision for me. Did you find the process overcomplicated? There's been some criticism here of the way it's been run. Um, I think that is just because it was on the preliminary stage. So probably that is because of that. Mm. I'm sure it's getting better because I've been told it is getting better. They have special program. I was matching families and this is really, really nice. You arrived in, in Banbury in Oxfordshire when? It was on Monday, this Monday. Yes, just, just gone with your suitcases. And how did you find the reaction of um, in Oxfordshire? Um, the first thing I've made when I came to my bedroom, I cried. Of course. Because I saw all these bags with, full of clothes really? and things that they've donated So I'll talk to, to Victoria Prentice. So you'd, you'd alerted the village, had you? Well, my daughter had put on the village WhatsApp group. Ah, that Vika was coming. That's how the world communicates now. It's in definitely local how WhatsApp our groups. village yes. communicates. And they had left envelopes with cash in. Gosh. A very kind soul had left a £100 Zara voucher. Yeah. Um, nice. Somebody had been to Gap and bought jeans. Yeah, it was just amazing to see all of those things yeah. and clothes and stuff. And it's so much appreciated. They... 
I will say thank you to everyone who was involved in that because it's really so kind. Um, because when you are somewhere, um, and even if you know the family, you don't have anything. I mean, like, you don't have your job, you don't have things, you don't have just the simplest essential things to leave. And they really helped a lot with that. And we're here on day four of your time in Britain. You don't know how long you're staying for. I don't know. You know, you're seeing your friend Tilly. It might feel like you're, it's like back in autumn when you were hanging out together. But of course, it's completely different with what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, I can say that it's not it, it doesn't feel for me like holidays. It feels everything that's happening is surreal for me. Yeah. And I don't really understand where I am now. And when I saw Big Band today, I was like, oh, Big Band. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not that excited that I would be if it was a normal time and normal circumstances. And I'm traveling, normal traveling, normal time. Have you been to London before, before this? No. Never been My here before. My first time in England. What do you make of it? Um, actually, England for me was kind of one of the dreams, top list dreams. And I've told before, I've told uh, Tilly that um, I've had a wish list of things that I wanted um, to to have or to do, I don't know. And there were things like having more travels to go to Prague, to go to the UK, visit them, uh, and to change something in my life. Here we go. This is amazing. Um, if, I, if I knew that, I wouldn't wish that. What would you say to Britons thinking about taking, taking in a Ukrainian person? <sighs> First of all... Um, I, I'm, I'm sure English people, they, they're so kind because they're trying to to think how we are feeling. So they're trying to think how it feels when you have nothing and when you have these disasters happening in your country. And uh, first of all, I want every person in England who want to have this refugee and Ukrainian person uh, to think about it, to think about how it feels, what do they need and... I'm sure they're thinking about it, but still, it could be really nice to have Ukrainian in your family because um, we are mostly like fairly open and really nice people. But the most trouble is that you should be ready, not all of the Ukrainians know English. So you should be ready that um, my generation, like 20, 30 years old, we usually speak English quite okay, quite good, because we speak it almost everywhere we traveling and uh, we usually study abroad but older generations they don't usually speak it the next thing is probably difference in mentality because we do have different traditions and cultures uh, should be ready for some probably uh, differences in opinions and sometimes I'm okay because I've been living in different countries and I've been traveling but uh, some Ukrainians probably will not. But then most of cases, they're quite nice. But I, I hear you're, you're helping around the house. You've been there four days. You're making Ukrainian dumplings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, were making, we were making uh, Varenaki yesterday. Varenaki, okay. Yes. Um, actually, I've taught them how to make that. It's not 
a difficult thing to do, but it is quite a long process. Yeah. Tilly was suffering yesterday. Well, Tilly, Tilly's nodding in the back of the pub. <laughs> uh... Yeah, she, she didn't expect probably that it takes so long. <laughs> um, and we decided to make a lot and freeze them to, yes. to, to have later on. So, yeah, we kind of, on my way of integration to the country, to the weather and to everything. Uh, but actually, the weather is really, really nice. Listen, it's time. always like it's this amazing. here. <laughs> it's always sunny in Britain. It never rains or snows, always foggy. It's all the time. Now, that's my English joke. I know, really I can understand it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most popular conversation that you can make with English person is about weather. <laughs> Definitely. And that's uh, we have in every hour book about it yes. <laughs> in England and everything. So yeah, my first question when I came to England was like do you have such a weather <laughs> And my friend told me not to get used yes. to that because it is not actually... And you're living yeah. day by day. What are your plans? I, mean, I mean, you can you can't make plans yet, but I mean, are you thinking you might try and get a job here? At some point, um, obviously with half an eye on getting home. Uh, at some point, um, I would love to have a job here and um, earn some money to help army to donate to my country because that is the best thing I can do for now to help. Uh, because I can help with charity as well and things like that. It would be really nice if I can do that. So I have some ideas set, and it would be nice. Yeah, big joy. Well, our aim is to for Vika to have a really useful time here. It'll be an educational experience. She'll pick up some really useful skills, and that she'll go home to rebuild Kiev. Yeah. Is yeah. is our motivation as soon as, as soon as possible? Well, it went, as soon as it's safe. As it's safe. As soon as possible, I would love to come back and to. Now I'm actually even more proud that I'm Ukrainian than I've ever been before, and living in Kiev now would be much more amazing than it have actually that it was before. Uh, because you appreciate it more, wouldn't you? I appreciate it more. And when you had a normal walk in Kiev before, it was just like a normal walk. Now I would probably be so excited and so happy to just walk there. Just walk there without any bombing and any explosion. So, yeah, I would appreciate that much more. And I am so proud of my nation. And they are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Vika, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the country. Stay Thank as long you as you so like. Much. And I hope you go home as soon as you can when it's safe. And Thank um, you I hope so you enjoyed your first time in a pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying. It's quite nice here. <laughs> nice atmosphere. Thank you for joining us, Victoria Prentice and Vika, on a special edition of Chopper's Politics. Thank you. Thank you. And Slava Ukraini. Victoria Prentice and Vika, thank you. Thank you to my producers, Louisa Wells, Giles Gear, and Theodora Luludis. And of course, thank you to you for listening. If you've been listening and affected by what you've heard and want to put up a Ukrainian refugee in your home, please do get in touch. Email us your thoughts on chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk or tweet me 
I'm at Chopper's Podcast. For a daily snippet of what's happening in Westminster, please sign up to my Chopper's Politics newsletter, delivered every day into your email inbox. And the link to sign up is in the show notes to this episode. And also in the show notes, I'll put a link to an article I've written on the back of this interview for The Telegraph's website. I hope you enjoy it. That's all for this week. Till next time. Cheerio. <laughs> God, what in tears. That was brilliant. Thank you, Vicky. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, you See? poor thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you what? were so good. I know. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.